You are listening to The Essentials Podcast, episode number eight, recorded live July 22nd, 2013. Good evening. Welcome to Essentials Chat on Monday, July 22nd. We are thrilled to have you with us this evening. Or listening throughout the week on podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. I'm Rich McCorris from King of Glory, and I'm joined tonight on my left by Paul Anderson. It's great to have you with us tonight. I'm sure all of you are glued to your television for the boy, the birth of royalty. Mm-hmm. Is, is it an heir to? Is, I'm not even sure what he is an heir of. <laughs> Don't you. ask me. Okay. I have no idea. It's a pretty big media event, though. This little boy being born somewhere and. Uh, so, I'm sure some of you are watching that on the news tonight, mm-hmm. and uh, thanks for taking time to watch and listen with us tonight, discuss yeah. some important stuff. Don't worry about missing it, because they'll be talking about it for the next month, so yeah, or a year, or two years. Catch all that information on your tabloids tomorrow morning, <laughs> or kelloland.com, whatever one you prefer. Mm-hmm. So tonight, uh, this week, we're digging in with the topic of idolatry. Yeah, that's right. We're going to talk about idols this week. Uh, we're not talking about wooden images or stone images. Um, we're talking about things that take the place of God in our lives. And uh, so we're going to dig into a topic, uh, idolatry, this week. Paul's going to lead us in our conversation this week. As always, we're wide open to any conversation that you would have, any comments or questions. You're invited to make them over on the right side of your screen and the chat window. And uh, you're also invited during the week to send in your questions, and we'll try and answer them the next week. And so please do that if you're listening via podcast. Paul, let's get started tonight. All right. Thanks, Rich. Welcome, everyone. Great to have you. And appreciate Rich putting on a nice shirt for the podcast. He was looking a little rough earlier after a, a little ketchup dinner, spill from dinner the hot dog at so. supper. I was thinking about this. This is a little diversion. Sorry, folks. Before I came over tonight, doing this live thing every week, I started to get self-conscious about what shirt I'm wearing because I... I was putting this shirt on tonight, and I felt like I'm wearing the same one every single week. So I might have to start making a note of it every week just so I know I have a nice rotation going. Might have a t-shirt drive for Paul. Yeah. T-shirt drive I, for Paul. I don't know if I need more. I just need to make sure i got a good rotation yeah. going. Yeah. I pretty much just rotate about seven shirts in <laughs> my whole repertoire. So. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm sure you all enjoyed that little conversation. All right. Rich, uh, let's get started here. We're talking about idolatry. The first thing I want to want to discuss with you a little bit is why is it that God demands to be honored above all else? Why is it that he requires complete, total allegiance? And how is it that that's not, you know, why is that not an ego, an ego thing from God's standpoint, or just a power trip, if you want to put it that way? Why is it that God says, you have to honor me and nobody else? Yeah, most time if we were looking at somebody and they were saying to us, hey, you have to bow down to me all the time, we'd think that they're all about themselves. Well, mm-hmm. uh, what we see revealed to us in Scripture is that God is um, centered on His own glory, but at the end, that's actually for our benefit. Mm-hmm. It's because uh, He says, honor Him, that's uh, for our benefit, because what honors Him is in our best interest. And uh, He, God has the right to say everything has to be done for His honor. God has the right to say... Um, I'm the only one that can do X, Y, and Z because God is God. And so mm-hmm. we we sometimes try and lower God to a position of being created rather than being the creator. 
and so we try and put limits on God from a human um, perspective uh, that we have on ourselves. Yeah, and really, this this topic ties into what we've we've talked about in previous weeks. Glory being one of them, which I think was just last not last week, maybe two or three weeks ago. Also, sovereignty, providence, things like that. This ties directly into that because the fact that God is sovereign, that He is the Creator, that's why He must be honored and worshipped as God above all else. And anytime we're not doing that, of course, we're um, we're making an idol of something. Um, I want to get into into idolatry a little bit, and it might be helpful to to get into. You talked a little bit about yesterday in your sermon about identifying what idols might be in our life um, and that type of thing. First of all, what I want to talk about is how do we know when we take something good, and I'm going to use an example here of, of religion, how is it that religion can become an idol? Or another thing like that, that, that something is going to be considered good. I think you made a point yesterday, I think it had to do with possibly um, serving or that type of thing. I may not have it quite right, but um, something that we're generally doing a, a good deed or you're attempting to be a good person, things like that, or even that can be turned into an idol. So how can we pinpoint something like that as opposed to what would be more readily apparent, whether it's money, sex, alcohol, things like that, those maybe pop to people's minds as being more of a an idol, obvious idol. Well, so. we could look at religion, for example. If you define religion as a human effort to uh, reach God, a human effort to uh, know God or be in right standing with God, if that's how you define religion, as a human effort to be in right standing with God or to be in relationship with God, you can turn that into an idol very quickly because you can be trusting in your own work to produce that which only God can produce. And so, and then all of a sudden what you do is you become obsessed with what are you doing in order to get yourself right with God and then you expect, you have con- you have more confidence when you're performing well. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, um, your, your confidence and your contentment is dependent upon your performance or your religion thing. Um, so you can trust in go- those motions. You know, some people, if you ask them, how's your spiritual life? This would be really telling. If someone comes up to you today and says, how's your spiritual life? How do you answer that question? Do you say, well, I've read the Bible, I've gone to church, I've um, gone through... Do you respond by saying you've gone through the motions? Or is your spiritual life defined by what God has already done through Christ on the cross? And if we're always constantly defining our spiritual life by going through the motions, and the motions aren't bad at all. These motions are a lot of times good disciplines that God has put in place for us. Um, but we can end up trusting in those rather than the end the end game. Mm-hmm. Um, hot stuff in the chat here is, is asking me if I'm saying that religion is good. Not exactly, and I think that's a good point. I appreciate them bringing that up. Um, part of what I'm kind of using religion in the broad sense there, in the terms of the way people think of it, whether it's you know, whether they think of it as, as following Christ or whether they think of it as going to church or being involved in church things or reading their Bible, things like that. Um, but it, it's a good way, good distinguishing point there because religion really, religion is more about us when you talk about um, 
us trying to do things to please God, which is what you were talking about. Um, so I would say this way I'm defining religion here, no, it's actually not good. It's more of a, a self-exalting type of thing. It's saying, here's what I'm doing to pursue God. Here's what I'm doing to please God, rather than the other way around, which is putting ourselves under you know, God's authority and seeking to follow him and to honor him, but not, um, not making a performance thing like you talked about. So appreciate that question to make sure that, that, I, was, uh, that I was clear there on what that was. So, all right. Um, one thing I think is interesting when we talk about idolatry and we talk about some of these particular things that give us trouble is so many things that we pursue to f- try to find this satisfaction or fulfillment in life. I think the funny thing is, is that we know that it's not going to bring that fulfillment or satisfaction because we see it <laughs> in other people all day long and we can we can see what they're doing and we see this person chasing after this and we think you know what is that person doing that is ridiculous so, I do think I do think we get a glimpse we 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 I think in our heart of hearts we know for example that making more money is not necessarily going to make us happy but we have a glimpse that we think it will it still holds on a little bit yeah. thing even though we re- we really know it won't uh, it still grabs us a little bit because maybe we experienced that one point. So, uh, you know, we got that raise or we did actually um, begin to make more money and we experienced it for that moment. And so what we've done is we've now lied to ourselves more like, well, this next time it's going to last longer. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to be, I'll be more content now this next time than I was that time because now I'm really moving into the next class of where I can have everything that I want. Mm-hmm. So we we do lie to ourselves kind of think, well, I, I tasted it a little bit. Because there's every once in a while where sometimes these idols actually do give us that moment. But that's all it is. It's just a moment. You think of an athlete, right. for example, that there is a time in their career when their ability, their, um, their, their achievements is probably giving them contentment, strength, joy. Um, but if, if you ask one that's older and retired, you know, that was a pretty small window of time when when that lasts but everybody's living for that small window of time what we're looking for is what can be long standing what can give us contentment joy through the whole process and when we finally face the grave um, what is it that can give us that contentment absolutely i was going to go um something i mentioned a little bit earlier but going to tie in a little bit again with your sermon yesterday and that is trying to take a look at what can we do to get kind of down to the nuts and bolts in our own lives to flush out these idols that are leading us astray, uh, maybe in, in an obvious way, but more importantly, maybe not in an obvious way, something that's coming between us and this complete life of worship to God. And just wonder if you might want to share some thoughts. I know, you again, you brought up some yesterday in your sermon um, maybe some additional thoughts. We'll go go a little deeper on, first of all, why that's important, which I mentioned a little bit, is because obviously it comes between us and God and in that life of worship. Um, but secondly, more importantly, what are, what are some of the, the points that we can look at and ask ourselves to identify some of those things in our life 
that maybe aren't jumping out at us. Maybe they're not obvious, like one of those things I mentioned that, you know, would be at the top of the list. Yeah, I think one of the way, and I would really point to, uh, we're giving away a book tonight by Tim Keller, and he's written mm-hmm. some great stuff on this on this issue. Um, and I'd really encourage everyone to check that book out by Tim Keller. And he had some, he gives some tips in a different book about identifying issues. And uh, one of the tips that he gives is, um, you know, talking about what's your greatest nightmare. Um, and whatever mm. your greatest nightmare is, that's that's going to help you pinpoint that which is your idol. So, for example, if your greatest nightmare is humiliation, um, your idol is probably power thing that that you have a hard time living without power because what you fear most is humiliation. I mentioned in the sermon on Sunday, if your greatest fear is rejection, probably a pretty good signal that your idol, that which you desire the most and you um, want, is approval. And so look at what your what is your greatest fear. Um, that's the thing. And then also share, one of the people in the sh- chat room shares with us, um, what do we spend a lot of time doing, thinking about, worrying about? It's a great thing. Um, yeah. That's that's where I would start if I'm trying to identify that which is controlling my heart. Look and see what's controlling the time uh, way I'm thinking. Also, I always use the practical example. Look at your calendar and look at your checkbook. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just your time and your money flow to the place where your heart is. Right. Um, my heart's set on X, so my time and my money are going to flow flow to that. Yeah, well said. All right. Well, but no one—it's hard to identify your own idol in your own heart. I mean, that's not exactly the funnest process to to enter into. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the the questions is—is is, um, you know, we sometimes might be deceiving ourselves. So we look around the world and say, "Well, hey, I'm going to church. I'm participating in Bible studies, um, doing all of this stuff." The question is, as are you looking to God as the source for everything in life, or are you still continuing to look to, to other things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it really, um, the other thing about idolatry is that this gets into what we've already talked about a little bit, but it really it, it comes down to our identity, too. And we've talked about this, not really in this series so much, but this is something that, that you've talked about in, in sermons in the past at length, too, is these idols in our life be, become our identity. They become so important to us. They become the things that that we that we seek after with money and with our time. They become like the longings of our heart, really. And so we can get to the point where our whole life is in pursuit of that. And therefore, our identity itself becomes wrapped up in that. So when you get a situation where, you know, the job that you're chasing after or the new car that you suddenly can't afford or something like that. When that goes away, your identity is gone because you've been so wrapped up in that. And therefore, you see people that just wander aimlessly, I think, because they get tied up into these things, defining who they are. There's nothing else there. So when it's gone, they're, you know, they're, there's no solid foundation of any sort. So, Yeah, I think one of the tough things for us is... Um is determining because I think our identity is constantly fluctuating. I think most of us are pretty good. Um, is it chameleons that change colors? That's it. Thing. Most of us are pretty good chameleons. Good word. Dep- yes, thank you. <laughs> thing. Most of us are pretty good chameleons. That some, we're able to fluctuate our identity depending on the crowd that we're in. You yeah. know, we, I don't. I, at the end of the day, 
you know, in middle school, peer pressure, you kind of behave one way around your friends, another way around your parents, mm-hmm. one way at school, one way at church. Um, doesn't surprise me. I think it's that way in a lot of life, too, that we kind of switch ourselves depending on the circumstance. Well, that's pushing and showing that something else is really king at that moment rather than a consistent life of um, one person where, where God is your king because you're constantly, again, seeking the approval of others. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just, um, this isn't specifically really, but it's, uh, it just popped into my mind when we were speaking there. And I thought that, um, for those that maybe haven't heard, weren't, uh, in our worship yesterday, or haven't heard the sermon, I thought that this one simple line that, that you said really, really hit home. And that was, God basically says, let me be God. And I just think that's a good thing. That's kind of one line I took from yesterday. I've been thinking about let God be God. Everything else in its proper place. You know, most things, a lot of things at least that we've been talking about here aren't bad in and of themselves. Absolutely not. They're just, they're not in the proper place. We give them too much importance. We give them, you know, I don't know. We just give them a bigger footing than they deserve. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, um, I think we would all agree that uh, a window makes a really bad door. Same thing can be said at the end of the day. Money makes a really bad God. Mm-hmm. Work makes a really bad God. Relationships make a really bad God. Thing at the end, they weren't yeah. created to be created to be that. Hot stuff asks a good question here. Can church life become an idol? Mm-hmm. I think so. I think that um, we can get stuck in a situation where we love the ritual, love the motion more than we love the one behind it all. It's kind of like mm-hmm. loving the gift rather than the giver. It's yeah. kind of like that little kid at Christmas time or at birthday gets the gift. When they get the gift, what do they do? Run into the other room and they completely forgot who gave the gift mm-hmm. thing. And maybe the person that gave the gift wanted to enjoy the gift with them. I think the same happens in church. Is what happens. We go to church and we find a place of friendship there. And church becomes more of a country club rather than a community of the people of God. Mm-hmm. And I think that we can tell that church becomes an idol pretty quickly by when a church becomes inward-focused versus outward-focused. The moment a church is inward-focused, it's a country club. It's all about them. So therefore, something is an idol. Someone or something else is controlling that church besides God himself. Because if God is God, the church is going to be outward-focused. Mm-hmm. So if you want to know some, if your church, if our congregation at King of Glory or your church that you're attending has something else besides God as God, as Lord of your church, just look at your mission. Are you focused on those who are not there, or are you focused on yourselves? Mm-hmm. Another thing, this is a little bit different angle. I don't, one thing that popped into my mind when I saw that that comment was, um, there's sort of these circles, I call them kind of a theological circles that some people travel in. Um, I'm just going to use an example. You and I kind of there's this community, I'd say, of, of blogs and pastors and authors that we kind of follow and read and listen to. And one thing it seems that you see within that little community, and even for myself, I'll say, maybe you've experienced the same thing, is you can get wrapped up in this these certain little angles, theology being one of them. And theology in and of itself is a great thing, because theology is knowing knowing God so to know more about God is a great thing, but you can you can veer off course with that. You can get into these 
arguments. You can get into these little nitpicky things. You can get wrapped up in the study itself and in these tangent discussions. That That's another thing that, that popped into my mind where all of a sudden theology in and of itself, a great thing, becomes an idol because, you know, Jesus the Savior is lost. We we lose that because we're we're talking about this little, you know, word here and there and we're parsing that. We're trying to figure out, well, what does that mean? And so Absolutely. I think one of our comments here we got in the chat room is the building becomes all important in some churches inward focus, yeah. as you just said. I think that's true. I'd say it maybe just a little bit different. Whatever is whatever is um guiding the decision. That is what is functioning as your king at that moment. So therefore, that's an idol. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anything besides God is functioning as king, whatever that is, is an idol. And it can happen in our own lives. So for example, um, someone can go to work tomorrow, and as you're at work tomorrow and you're trying to work on a little bit of a business deal, maybe you're selling something, and uh, you, you really want to sell this thing. So what you end up doing is you end up sw- twisting the truth just a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the reason that you're twisting the truth is because at that moment, you something else is functioning as king besides Jesus. Because if Jesus was functioning as king, you'd be honest to your customer or you'd be honest with your business partner. Mm-hmm. But someone besides Jesus is functioning as king. So then you, what you do is you twist the truth just a little bit to either make more money, um, promotion, uh, get accepted. You just So... That idol is forcing a certain behavior uh, at that moment. Mm-hmm. So it's ever, what's ever driving the decision, that's functioning as king. That, that's your idol, that's my idol, whoever, whoever's idol is involved. Yeah. I was thinking too, a scenario like that becomes even more a little bit devious when you start to tell yourself, well, what I'm doing here isn't really hurting anybody. You know, certain sins are like that. Certain idols that we have even in our life are... They seem like they're just kind of self-contained, and that's just—I <laughs> think that's one of those lies that can really, that can really pull you in the wrong direction. Just to say, well, if I'm not hurting anybody here, I mean, how how bad can it really be? Yeah, so. and uh, hot stuff says that it's hard not to idolize the pastor too. Absolutely, anybody, yeah. um, anybody in authority. Sometimes we can put in a position where um, we look to them for, for everything. And that's a challenge of itself. I can fall into the same boat where I fall in love with a certain author or a, mm-hmm. or a certain leader, and uh, I look to them for everything. I look to them for every answer. I also look to them for approval. That If they're approving of what I'm doing, then, I, then I'm content or then I'm feeling good about, about myself. Um, let's go back a little bit to, um, at the end of the day, idolatry really is putting something in the place of God. So something besides God functioning as God. Mm-hmm. Uh, when God says that he alone is to, to be God. Um, I guess one of my questions that I keep, I keep having is what does it, how, um, how do you then keep stuff in its cre- in intended created order? If that's the way to think about it. Is that mm-hmm. God did um, create things with an intended order. Um, and how do we keep things in their intended created place rather than letting them get out of whack Mm -hmm. well at a very high level i would say you know whatever this your certain behavior is or activity or something in your life whatever it is is you're asking 
you know, how am I honoring God or glorifying God in this? So let's take just an example that you threw out yesterday, uh, which was athletics. Um, if you're going to say, well, I'm an athlete, I'm involved in athletics, it's something I really enjoy, I'm good at, or maybe I have kids that are involved in that, you know, the first thought there has to be, okay, athletics in, this, in and of itself is a, a good thing, even possibly a great thing. Um, but we're going to start and we're going to say, first of all, what what's going to be our goal here? How are we going to honor and serve God in this situation? And because that's going to that's going to drive so many angles as far as you know how much money you're going to spend on it, how much time you're going to spend on it, um, how you're going to behave within that activity. Um, so to me, that that sounds like a simple answer, but that has to be driving everything. That thought is: Am I honoring God here? Am I glorifying God? You get beyond that, then you've got you know, you've got more gray area because if there's athletics and there's, um, uh, I don't know, croquet club, maybe that's still <laughs> athletics, but, you know, then you're... Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people signed up for croquet probably, club. Well, there will be now, probably, yeah. if they, that yeah. they're aware that it's there's a croquet club. It's going to take off. Right. But, I mean, then you've got two things there that you're just... Then you're balancing, so you're making sure, again, that, that those priorities are coming within, you know, the time that you feel you need to commit to to God, you know, through prayer and things like that. And then in terms of serving, you know, serving your church, serving others. Um, yeah, I, I guess, I don't know how helpful that is to anyone. Maybe it's not, but I think that that big overarching question has to be driving and it has to be behind every, every activity, every decision. Um, I'd yep, and that's why tomorrow, I'm just going to give a little bit of a little uh, teaser here. Tomorrow, there's going to be a special video blog post coming on a church website called Take God Off Your Priority List. You're not going to want to miss this little <laughs> seven-minute video tomorrow called Take God Off Your Priority List. Yeah. And uh, it kind of fits in with what we're talking about tonight. And yep. uh, um, So we're just looking here, just kind of finishing up tonight. If you got a question or a comment, feel free to... Throw it into the chat room over there on the right side of your screen. We're also giving away a book tonight called um, Counterfeit Gods by Tim Keller. Mm -hmm. And all of those of you who are signed into the chat room tonight have an opportunity to win this book. It'll arrive at your house hopefully within three or four days. Gary, hopefully you received your book on Heaven last week. Let us know if that book never arrived. Mm -hmm. uh, Gary, you should receive your book Heaven hopefully within the coming days if you haven't received it mm -hmm. already. But tonight we're giving away Counterfeit Gods by uh, Tim Keller. Mm -hmm. And so... I think um, going back a little while, a comment that Shannon made I think is is really helpful and it, it ties into what you gave us yesterday as a practical application. Um, she was uh, quoting James chapter 5 here, repenting when we have idols and being accountable to someone. Not quoting it, but yeah, referencing James 5, that. 5.16, confess your sins to one another yep. so that you may be healed. Yep. And you basically said said that yesterday in the sermon is, you know, identify an idol and then tell someone about it. Um, that similar thought, I think, can, can come into, you know, when maybe you're not sure what your idols are. Maybe, you know, maybe you don't, you don't know where, the, where your focus is getting, you know, steered away from God. Maybe it's not apparent. But the, the same 
the same importance comes in there in having that accountable relationship. And I mean, that's just a so helpful just in the Christian life in general, being a follower of Christ is to have that accountability. But to be able to go to someone that you have that relationship with, that, that you trust, and you can say, <laughs> sometimes you might just have to ask that person, what do you see in my life? Where are Absolutely. the priorities mixed up? Yeah. You know, because sometimes we can be so deceived that we that we simply don't see it. Yep. And I um, wanted to take a few moments to go back to something that we talked about before, uh, mainly just because this is such a big issue in our culture. Let's just spend a minute or two kind of going back to the athletic conversation because I promised a couple of people <laughs> we would uh, follow up on this thing. So yesterday I spent a lot of time talking about how, from my perspective, athletics is uh, the biggest idol in the city of Sioux Falls thing. Um, and across our culture, it's it's got a strangled... Hold on a second. Well, Gary hasn't seen his book yet. Hopefully that's coming. Gary, oh. if that book does not arrive by Wednesday, you call uh, the church office. If that book does not arrive by Wednesday, we'll put the A-team right on top of it. Thing. Um, so uh, so someone asked, how do we help move away from that? A couple of things. I just want to give some practical things on the athletic conversation, especially if you're raising children. One of the very first things that we can do is move the conversation from accomplishment and achievement to participation. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the illustrations I use for this is, what's the first thing you ask your child, your son or daughter, when they get home from an athletic event? Is it, did you win or did you enjoy the time playing together? Now, of course, you're like, no, I didn't have fun. We didn't didn't win. But it's, you're keeping the conversation there. Mm -hmm. You're encouraging that. The other big thing is, at supper, in the morning and the evening, if a victory doesn't happen, is all you're talking about is, Man, if we would have just made that one goal or if we would have made that one shot, we've had, oh, if the refing just would have been a little bit different. Yeah. All that the child is hearing then is this focus on victory and accomplishment rather than participation for the sake of building community, um, having recreational fun, all of that. So one of the things we can do is try and change that conversation just a little bit. There's just a little practical piece for those of you who are dealing with the athletic mm-hmm. issue specifically at home. And again, this yeah. is going to be an uphill battle thing because it's not popular uh, at all mm-hmm. um, this is a good question here by enter your name here <laughs> that's good creativity there it's one thing to tear an idol down but how do we ensure we don't just put something else in its place great question yeah i think that's just an ongoing battle uh, you know there's always where one gets taken away 500 are waiting to to move right in it seems like so i, I think that's part of the walk of a Christian is that um, just that selfishness, that sinful nature that's inside of us is just, it wants to make an idol out of something. It's just chasing it constantly. The other piece of this that I tried to point out in the sermon uh, from this last Sunday is that it really begins with not seeing this as a command of not having idols, but this begins as seeing this as a command of saying, God wants to be your God. Yeah. So the only way to ensure that we don't just put something else in its place, is to seek after God thing. And mm-hmm. to say, okay, I'm going to let God be God. What that means is is getting the correct view of Christianity, where Christianity is no longer just a list of rules, but rather Christianity is a way of life. It is a, um, it's a movement of seeking God's glory above all else. Mm-hmm. And uh, until we get in that positive direction, and we look at the commands more as just... Um, don'ts, all we'll do is just keep filling those with other things because we ultimately don't put God back in God's spot. Yep. You said this phrase a lot. A lot. It's 
it's worshiping the creator or the created. So the creator's here, the created is everything else. So it's, <clears throat> although there are all of those idols, like you're saying, there's still two choices if you want to look at it that way. There's, there's two alternatives. Um, so the focus has to be on the creator and then... Yeah. One of the very first things we could do, and this would be really practical, is if we know that... So, for example, if I have an idol uh, in my life right now, and I know that there's a direct command from God about something in that area, is to obey it thing. And then um, see what happens after that, after that obedience, no matter how unpractical it is. Thing. So I put that thing back in its intended, created order. Um, and then you can experience whatever that is where it's supposed to be experienced rather than out of out of order. Mm -hmm. So we've gone over our time yeah. uh, this week. And thank everyone for your mm -hmm. questions and comments. For all of you who are in the chat room listening tonight, we thank you for joining us as well. So we've got right now as I look at those who are signed into the chat room, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, Seven. We've got seven guests in the chat room. I see there is a Derek in the chat room. I'm assuming that's our partner who's hey. normally here. He's out on vacation this week, and so we want to wish Derek a thing. We've got a special gift for Derek this week. We though. do. We've got a special gift that uh, we wanted to get to Derek before he left on vacation, but we're going to send this his way, hopefully sometime. 101 questions to ask before you get engaged. Oh. We're going to send this out tonight free of charge to, to a good friend thing that's and, right uh, it's the least we can do it's the least we can do since yeah. you're gone so derek tonight mm -hmm. you've won 101 questions to ask before you get engaged <laughs> uh, you'll find this when you uh, get back home here in sioux falls <laughs> but let's give away the tim keller book right now uh paul i need you to give me a number between one and seven between one and seven go ahead i got four we got four one two three four john b john b uh you have one tim keller book John B., you have won the Tim Keller book. Um, send me an email, rich an email, at kingofgloriousf.org to collect your uh, winnings. Mm -hmm. So thanks for joining us tonight. Any thoughts there, yeah. Mr. Anderson? Well, I think Gary's last comment here, you know, just brings up a good thought, and that is, you know, when trying to fight and resist these idols and tear down these idols, the the method is not to try harder because that, <laughs> that doesn't work. Trying harder, doing it out of our own um, will or anything just doesn't work. The The way we do it is is just relying on Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit and, you know, surrendering to that and saying, God, I need you. I need your Holy Spirit to tear down these idols in my life. It's just that, that submission. So... Well, Derek is uh, commenting in the chat room that Derek's willing to have this book first go to Paul okay. before himself, so we'll let the battle begin there if he wants to take this book home. Uh, 101 questions. <laughs> uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us this week. It's been a fun fun week of talking about idolatry. Well, I don't know if it's been fun uh, talking about idolatry, but an important topic. Yeah. Uh, it's the first command uh, to have no other gods before God, to let God be God. And that's where it all begins, is putting God in the place uh, where he uh, demands to be. So I hope it's a great week, a great week of uh, giving Christ your trust, your allegiance, and your adoration. And so have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you next week, or hopefully you'll tune in and listen to us next week. Thanks, everyone. Good night.